Hey Thomas, did you see that YouGov poll where only 30% of British people said they trusted the mainstream media? No I haven't, but I'm not surprised. It seems that many people think the media's rigged against their side. If only there was a site that encouraged different views and topics to be discussed all in one place. Well worry no more because we've created our very own impressive and thought-provoking platform. The Political Natter blog is putting a plethora of people's personal opinions back into the perplexing pool of politics. Go to politicalnatter.wordpress.com. By students. For everyone. I have just been to see Her Majesty the Queen, who has invited me to form a government, and I have accepted. Well, there we have it. Theresa May's on the floor. Boris Johnson's in the door. He's now Prime Minister of the United Kingdom with one simple job. He wants to get Brexit done. This is the second part of our Brexit memory lane. I'm joined once again by Thomas, by Harry, and it's me, Jack Carson. This is the political matter. So, lads second part of our little trip down memory lane Boris Johnson it's the 23rd of July he's just won premiership of the great United Kingdom he's gone to the Queen she says please form a government in my name he says I'm going to get Brexit done by October the 31st let's bring you up to speed because we've had to extend the transition period to the 31st of October because of everything that happened with Theresa May and the European elections it's clear that the people want Brexit and Boris Johnson is tasked with that job, he simply believes if he can remove that backstop, he can get Brexit done. Harry, let me start with you. What did you think when Boris Johnson became Prime Minister? Well, I didn't really know what to make of it. During the leadership campaign, I wasn't very sure who I wanted to be in charge of the country because I thought each of them had some, well, most of them, let's say, had some quite strong aspects but all of them had at least one pretty major flaw that I thought meant that they were probably not the best fit. But I thought he was he was obviously the front runner from the beginning. And so I, I felt that he was probably going to get the job done, which was important. I thought he was obviously going to get Brexit over with, which I think everyone knew was going to be inevitable when he became leader because, he you know, obviously he knew how to push messages he had experience in high roles. He'd been the London mayor. So I thought, you know, definitely Betton Gove, who obviously I despise. But I think, yeah, he was the he was the obvious choice. Yeah, I think you've got an interesting situation where just like Brown was the behind the scenes master who wants to be leader for ages. And Blair was the front runner who had his certain places that he liked to deal with and was a very good kind of political teacher, very good at kind of uh, charisma and rallying the forces in the same way, Gove is the behind-the-scenes man and Boris is the, the guy at the front who makes people smile, although sometimes also cringe. Here's the thing. <laughs> Boris was against Jeremy Hunt. And Jeremy Hunt yeah, was well, just talk, a continuation of... It was just a continuation of the same old thing. And everybody looked at Jeremy well, and thought, I don't think it no, was, thank you. I think, it was, I think it was more than a continuation because, look, Boris simply led a, led his leadership campaign on we need to get brexit done by october the 31st you know he he knew that theresa may was always open to in in the end to always open and she showed it to extending the brexit deadline mm. boris johnson knew that if he was ever going to get any ground and then he get any kind of anything back from that eu deal 
um, like removing the backstop. He knew that he had to have a solid deadline. That's why he went with the October the 31st. Jeremy Hunt, okay, yes, he of course he would have wanted to have done it by October the 31st, but the fact is, when he said that he wouldn't have minded extended it by a few days, well, you know, yes, while you may have been honest, and that might have been a better approach. When you go to the EU and they, they know that you will at least extend a little bit, they'll try and exploit that as much as they can. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I wish from a UK perspective and if in the UK's interest, we'd had Michel Barnier negotiating for us because, my God, did he do well for the EU negotiating <laughs> because he was an absolute brick wall. We had nothing like that. Well, and, and, and this is why Boris Johnson came in. And he said, right, well, Lolly Robbins, you can get out of the door and you can go and get another job because you did an awful job at this. We need to have a Brexit secretary like Stephen Barclay, who we kept on, which I was quite surprised with, to be My honest. MP. He had him to go and he gave him more power to negotiate this deal. Boris Johnson was negotiating the deal. But, OK, let's kind of skip forward a bit because he's won the prime ministership. He's got this simple yeah. idea of getting Brexit done. And he's in Parliament and he's debating stuff. And... Labour are kind of attacking him because they're saying, well, you're saying you're having this deal, but where is any evidence of this deal? You know, we've not seen anything of this deal. And then suddenly he kind of out of nowhere decides that while he's trying to get his deal, Parliament think he's not trying to get a deal and then start to whip up conspiracy theories. Because at this point, we've got to remember Boris Johnson's in a seriously minority government. He's already had he's already had he's he's already had people like Grieve and, and, and Ken Clark massively go against him. He decides that he has got to prorogue Parliament. Well, it's a big mass conspiracy. And looking back, it's really hard to kind of really get to the bottom of what he what he tried to do, because there's so many different there's theories. It's a strange time. Because people were saying, OK, well, he's obviously not got a Brexit deal, so he's going to try and take us out of it with no deal. So that's why he's proroguing Parliament. So Parliament can't have a say and he can take us out with no deal. But then he was saying, well, actually, the only reason I'm proroguing is because this is, this is a new era and we need a new Queen's speech to set the new government agenda. Because at the end of the day, at this point, we hadn't had a Queen's speech the year before. We'd been two years without a Queen's speech, which is so unusual in Parliament. It's always one every year to set the agenda of that government. And so he, on, on, in terms of the public, set that, wanted that Queen's speech to set his agenda as Prime Minister and as a government. But was there more to that? Cool, Jack, remember to breathe. Um, <laughs> Boris was just the whole time, oh, we, we, we're going to get Brexit done. Oh, I say it is time to get Brexit done. Get Brexit done. Get Brexit done. Let's get Brexit done so we can start to reunite this country. Uh, the, the most important thing is that we go over to the EU, the Invulnerable Jellies, and uh, get Brexit done. And it, they delivered in the sense that they did get a deal. Which was crazy, but parochment was also crazy. Parochment happened, well, and I don't really understand the whole situation. Hap- parochment happened well before he got this deal. He decided to prorogue yeah, it in he August. He was in the process of. In, he decided to prorogue it in August. It was then prorogued yeah. from September until early October, wasn't it? For four weeks or something. And they thought, oh, here we go. He's not got a deal. He's going to take us out on no deal. And this really upset some people it upset it Dominic Grieve it upset Kenneth Clark it upset Anna Subri like Anna Subri wasn't all upset enough already and so this this is where we get the conservative rebellion David Gork people like Rory Stewart Dominic Grieve this is where we get the conservative rebellion where they force a law which makes Boris Johnson have to ask an extension if the Brexit bill isn't passed in law by the 31st of October and this and but the the fact of the matter is they said that they had to have had a deal done by the 15th of October and so considering he only announced his deal on the 21st of October 
he 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 almost had no he and while he did put it to the house and it did get past first time and he tried to go ahead with head with it parliament wasn't having any of it and this is where we get the big problem because Boris Johnson has now not only basically removed the whip from all the from all the rebels because he says right I'm not having this you are a load of planks he's not only he's not only hounded them out of the party but now he's hounding the whole of parliament because they voted his Brexit deal through once, but now they're so adamant of that he's going to, like the SNP and Lib Dem and Labour, they're so adamant that he's going to try and take the country out with no deal. He's decided, if it's not going to go my way, well then let's ask the public. That Perogman gave them a little bit of time to think about what was going on and then they created more problems for themselves. They were trying to get a deal, I think, in that time. I think praising Boris as well for getting a great brand new deal, although it was presented in that way, it was just basically Theresa May's deal uh, and a different option that had already been on the table, but Theresa May wasn't really ballsy enough to go for because of the whole Northern Ireland complicated situation border down the Irish Sea. Do we have checks on the Northern Ireland Ireland border? It's just, it's but when in a way... You, when you look at the deal, I mean, it was essentially, he'd remove, he'd remove the backstop where the Northern Ireland would be subject to EU customs rules and regulations. Well, um, and, and so it, well, what it was, it was a mix of basically the Northern Ireland would be in the UK t- customs territory, which means any post-Brexit trade deals we do, they'd have the benefit of. But the thing that Boris understood is that you, you had to have free movement on the island of Ireland. You had to have, that was one of the main things you had to have, and you had to have goods going. But the one thing that obviously Theresa May struggled with was where do you do the checks? And Boris said, well, you don't have to do the checks at the border. That is the problem, checks at the border. So if you go, if, it, if it, there's goods which are starting in Britain and will make their way to the island of Ireland, that's where you do checks and and it was kind of it was a it was a mix of different VAT rates on goods but not services and that's how they kind of got through it and I was surprised quite frankly that the EU agreed to that but I suppose it it was it was almost goodwill of them to do that and you know his his October 31st deadline basically worked Harry what did you make of how he got that deal and the whole kind of issue of him dealing with parliament I would agree that with what kind of Tom said earlier, where it was quite impressive that he did manage to make some of those small tweaks. And I think a lot of people didn't expect that. I think maybe it might be a little bit overblown how much he really did change. And obviously there are there were a lot in Northern Ireland who were not so happy with some of the changes. Not to not to mention the fact that Stephen Barclay and Boris Johnson were obviously on totally different pages uh, when giving briefings to the media and to the public, because both of them had different views or ideas of what was going on with the whole checks thing which created a lot of uncertainty but ultimately obviously didn't matter too much because as you say he decided he was going to put it to the people and it all went off from there really yeah so let's kind of let's get up to speed so we've obviously got a brexit deal on the table it's been passed once by parliament the parliament have said look it's still not passed boris officially it's not law you've got to ask for that extension he inevitably and and against his will, because we all remember, he said he'd rather do this. I'd rather be dead in a ditch. Than ask for an extension. But he has to ask for it because it's law, because the rebels have forced this law through. I think, it was, didn't they do it in a day or something? They, they forced this law through the commons in three readings and then through to the lords. And I know that I remember watching the lords proceedings. They tried to put down like hundreds and hundreds of little tiny amendments to, to slow it down so it would go past the deadline but it still went through 
it, but it came law. Boris has to ask for this extension. And once he asks for this extension, he knows he's already got a Brexit deal which passes. And, and he knows. And he thinks, well, the only way is to simply go back to the people. But there's a problem. Yeah. because of, And it's called, and Harry, I know you're going to smile when I say this, there's a problem with, with, with Boris Johnson's idea of calling, it, of calling a general election. It's called the Fixed Term Parliament Act. Yeah. Oh, yes, know. that it's thing the law. definitely works. It's the law which requires the House of Commons to have a two-thirds majority to ha- pass a general election. Now, yep. the issue was with Parliament, Labour, who had been calling for a general election all throughout Theresa May's downfall, especially in, in 2019 onwards, now decided that actually they didn't want a general election. Um, <laughs> so they then decided, well, actually, we, we can't ever vote for a general election. And so Boris Johnson tries and tries again, but yeah. none of his none of his votes for a general election pass. And in this, let's let's not forget, we have some great moments. We've got moments such as this. The right honourable gentleman has been captured. He has been jugulated. He has been reprogrammed by his honourable friends, and he has been turned now into a Remainer. He is the he has turned Labour into the party in all of all the flip flops he has performed in his turgiversating career. That is the one for which I think he will pay the highest price. We've also got moments from Geoffrey Cox, who at that point was the Attorney General, who came up with a line like this: "They don't like to hear it, Mr. Speaker. They don't like the truth." Twice they have been asked to let the electorate decide upon whether they should continue to sit in their seats while they block 17.4 million people's votes. This parliament is a disgrace. Since I am asked, let me tell them the truth. They could vote no confidence at any time, but they're too cowardly. could agree to a motion to allow this house to dissolve, but they're too cowardly to give it But the time is coming, the time is coming, Mr Speaker, when even these turkeys won't be able to prevent Christmas. I tell you what, the best part about Jeffrey Cox is is definitely his reading of bedtime stories. Um, <laughs> definitely go check that out. But when he comes up with moments like this, and when and Boris Johnson kind of speaks, you know how how we've just heard, Harry, let me put this question to you: When Boris Johnson had to extend, um, is it right to say? Do you think? Do you think? Do you agree with the fact that he used every time he steps in Parliament to start an early general election campaign? Because every time he went into Parliament, would you agree that he attacked Corbyn and attacked Corbyn and got that election? started early yeah i think the truth is is that having to go for that extension again it was just an understanding that this had been going on for too long now and regard again regardless of what you think about it he was right that something had to be done he was right that something had to be done and labor saying they weren't going to back an election was definitely definitely a bit of a mistake for them in my opinion i think they should have probably said okay you're right we both cannot reach a point of agreement that is what is the right thing to do and so i think yeah it was right for him to start campaigning for the new election and obviously he 
had built a great framework to go into the next election with hammering home the same ideas over a decent amount of time. And that's when obviously these slogans, get Brexit done, started coming in and they've been ingrained in the political minds of the British public. Yeah, the great fan of those quick, easy, memorable lines. There's a video on uh, YouTube of him talking about this and how he was inspired by Churchill. It's interesting. The thing was there. It's amazing that, as we said in the Fixed Parliament Act, for a general election to go through without any like crazy amendments, uh, any anything that kind of rocked the boat, it has to be a two thirds, and that can only happen when a, uh, a government is confident that they can win one and that they have the enough numbers to be able to put it through. It's very difficult to do that and get the numbers over two thirds to get people to just have the general election anyway. So the general election came through uh, over half of the MPs, but that meant that amendments could go through. But it's crazy that the numbers added up for the half because Boris had less than half of the MPs uh, to do this. And obviously, Labour and the Lib Dems surely were laughing because they had Boris pinned up against the wall. And they could have joined forces and they could have pushed through a second referendum. But because uh, Corbyn was in charge, they couldn't do that. And the Lib Dems got annoyed with Corbyn and thought, hey, this is our chance to get so many more seats. We can win this. We can show that the second referendum has strength. And therefore, we can back uh, Boris in the only well, time and go I mean, for a general election. Well, this is it. I mean, the Lib Dems have formed that with Labour simply because during Theresa May's downfall and kind of between kind of Boris, they were like, oh, OK, why don't we create a government of national unity, even though some would argue it wasn't a na- unity at all because the, the idea from the nation was that they wanted Brexit, but this government of national unity would do anything but try to achieve that. That's what some would think. So the Lib Dems have found that with Labour because Lib Dems are like, look, we've got the Tories on their knees at the minute. Let's get a government of national unity. We can use a figure like Ken Clark, who's still a, technically a Conservative, but he's so on our side as well. But Labour were like, well, no, because we don't really want Ken Clark if we, there was going to be a leader. And because they couldn't ever agree on that leader of a government of national unity, that was flung out the window a long time ago. So the Lib Dems are always annoyed with Labour. So the Lib Dems are kind of the ones supporting this general election. You've got a few Labour MPs that supported the government on the fixed term parliament act general election votes because you know people like kate hoey and stuff who who knew what had to be done and she knew she was stepping down anyway so she knew it had to be done but boris johnson you know as many times as he tried the fixed term parliament act and i think you know they put it in their manifesto in the end of the general election that they were going to abolish it and repeal it because it's a stupid act to almost have a government held held not necessarily by the opposition because Jeremy Corbyn wouldn't call a vote of no confidence. Boris Johnson, I think, even considered calling a vote of no confidence in himself in order to force a general election. Tom? I think it's interesting to bring back prorogement because I don't know whether this was the case and I don't know why they did it. But one reason that you could use to explain prorogement was because they wanted to make themselves look so inept that the Lib Dems and the peop- anybody else in government, like, say, the Dominic Greaves, would leap at the chance for a general election to show their, their mettle because they knew that Le- Corbyn didn't really want a general election, which I think was regrettable because Labour could have done better, I think, if they'd have actually pulled their finger out and solidified what they thought and gone for a general election and just been a strong opposition as I think they're in a better position now. But Perogman maybe could have been a way of enticing Parliament to basically end its complete uh, lockdown. It's complete, you know, uh, the whole issue with uh, 
backlog the whole kind of i mean we've we heard so many times i mean these these are some of the you know boris Johnson was so clear about how this 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 parliament wouldn't work i mean here's a few clips of him talking about parliament in general it's not just that this parliament is gridlocked paralyzed and refusing to deliver on the priorities of the people it's not just unable to move forward it's worse than that mr speaker out of sheer selfishness and political cowardice, members opposite, members opposite are unwilling, are unwilling to move aside and give the people a say. They see MPs demanding that the people should be given a say one week and then running away from the election that would provide the people with a say. And worst of all, they see more, ever more elaborate legal and political manoeuvres from the party opposite, which is determined, absolutely determined, to say we know best and thumb their noses at the 17.4 million people who voted to leave the European Union. It's clear you can hear from that what his view on was Parliament. And so he thought, OK, we, we, we're coming to a general election. The fixed term Parliament Acts haven't gone through. He says, right, the only way to get a general election at this point it's to simply say, let's have a one-line bill saying there's going to be a general election on the 12th of December. Now, there's a little bit of an hour in. SNP wanted it on a different day, but it obviously we all know about the kind of rule on elections being on Thursdays. People weren't necessarily sure about it being in winter, but it was, it was obviously the only way through. Now, there's a kind of sub thing to this, because when it gets to the one-line bill, for a general election. We've got a new speaker. I invite Sir Lindsay Hoyle to take the chair of the House. I stand by what I've said. I stand firm that I hope this House will be once a great respected House, not just in here, but across the world. I thank the honourable gentleman, but I think we're just being a little bit quiet. We just let it go. Me and um, me, <laughs> me and Thomas have this wonderful thing of of noticing that Lindsay Hoyle, when every stanza goes right, I will you want, will be right, honourable gentleman. Please just quiet down for a second. He gets very high. He was, uh, he was completely him, different in the sense that he was just going, oh dear, I, I thank yeah. you, gentlemen, for his comments, but. Insert an amazing smackdown where, where Lindsay is like, I've come into politics because I, I want us to have a friendlier parliament. And then and then it has been friendlier. Now you look at it. Do you know what? Do you know what? If, if you do look at it in, in hindsight, I mean, think par, Prime Minister's question starts dead on time because guess what? The speaker isn't coming in every two minutes to have a little moment of fame. Plus, you know, and, and it showed, when Burko, it showed when Burko went out the door that he was appearing on Italian um, television going ordinaire in italiano ordinaire 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 but so anyway so back to the point Lindsay Hoyle is in at the point of speaker the trouble is when you do a one-line general election debate and you do a one-line bill there can be amendments to it and by hell did that parliament try they added labor added an amendment in for votes at 16 the SNP wanted European citizens to be able to vote in the general election but Lindsay decided that because those issues were too big of a change 
that it had that those those changes would have have to have been a manifesto pledge of, of a government to be formed to change. It was too big of a change to suddenly have an amendment change the whole voting system. And besides, the electoral commission was already struggling to cope with it suddenly with the sudden idea and the electoral register, sorry, was suddenly having to cope with the idea that they had to get polling cards out and God knows what organised for an election in five, in five weeks. But so Lindsay rejects all the amendments that the opposition try to put. It passes, goes into law, and we've got a general election on the 12th yeah. of December. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go, because Boris Johnson goes all out stomping, doesn't he? Yeah, just think, though, what could have happened if Burko was in charge and a few of those amendments went through, like the 16-year-old vote. Because two years' worth of people, uh, the 16 to 18 is overwhelmingly Labour or Lib Dem, Slight, but, there would have been some adjustment in the seats, but, and I really didn't expect <laughs> Boris to do so well. Uh, I really didn't I expect the Conservatives is. to go well. In fact, Harry, I think, was the uh, you two were way closer than me in the predictions because I thought he'd just squeak well, through. Well, but I, I mean, I had said three thirty-five to be honest, in terms of a seat. Harry, I think you'd gone for a kind of more 330 kind of look, and you mm. just basically... Because all he said was he literally needed nine seats. He'd said that so many times. He only needed nine seats to win that general, to win that general election, win that majority. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, he got more than it. But the whole campaign was kind of... was so interesting. I mean, here, we've got a few clips from the yeah. debates here, haven't we? Here's a few clips from some of the debates between Boris Johnson and Corbyn. Boris Johnson voted twice against Theresa May's deal, one time for it, then proposed his own deal, which is actually even worse than Theresa May's deal. He cannot protect jobs in this country on that basis. We don't know on which side Mr Corbyn would campaign. Briefly, I've Mr. made the position clear. We will have a referendum, <laughs> we will have negotiation, and we will abide by that result. What we know of what Mr Johnson has done is a series of secret meetings with the United States. That's what happened to these meetings. Every single line of this document redacted out. Mr. Full Johnson. market access for US products to our National Health Service. You're going to sell Johnson, our National Health point. Service out to the United States and Big Pharma. Our NHS will never be for sale. What could be more ruinous for the NHS than a crackpot plan for a four-day week, which would add massively, would add massively okay. Okay, to, the, to the burdens, not just of the NHS, Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party, uh, be in no doubt about it, in order to secure power and the keys to number 10, are going to do a deal, and they probably already have done a deal, with Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP. I, just, oh, I think I ought to be able to reply to this nonsense. Will you the, be able to reply? I'd just, just like to have the a idea that there's going to be a coalition between Labour and the SNP. There's not going to be a coalition oh, between right. Labour and anybody else. Does the truth matter in this election? I think it does. And I, I think it's very important. <laughs> I think it's very important to hear from... I've been very clear. Look at what I have said I'm going to do as a politician and look what I've, look what I've delivered, whether it was as Mayor of London or uh, now as Prime Minister. His proposal for 40 new hospitals, which he grandly announced in July, turns out to be six reconfigurations. Yes, it is true that we are starting uh, with six, but the seed funding has got in. So where did the 40, 40 come from? 40 new hospitals, and the investment, the investment is going in now. Have you found a magic money tree, Mr Johnson? And have you found perhaps more than one of them, Mr Corbyn? <laughs> no, we're, we are, we're operating... Money forest he's got. We are, we're a society of billionaires and the very poor, neither of which are right. There are many people and many politicians indeed that feel that the nastiness of political debate in this country has simply got out of control. 
Come shake on. hands to make a pledge to improve politics. And a gesture, a gesture. Look, um, I... Thank I, you very much indeed. I, I, I think we should all learn to be a little more... Um, a little more kind to each other, including those we disagree with. What present would you leave under the Christmas tree for each other this year? A Christmas carol by Charles Dickens. And he could... <laughs> and he can then understand how nasty Scrooge was. Thank you. Uh, a copy of uh, my brilliant Brexit deal. Uh, <laughs> which, which, uh, which allows us to... I think maybe some... One of your little cardboard buses, maybe. maybe some some, da some damson and jazz. Lovely. Some damson and jazz. OK, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for that. He doesn't even want my damson jazz. And, I mean, just hearing from those, I mean, it's quite interesting to see because it was... The, I mean, away from the bustle of Parliament and away from kind of all the shouting and it was a very loud kind of quite anger debate in the, in the Houses of, of Parliament... To, hit, to just see Corbyn and Boris Johnson on one stage going at it together, yeah. it was, it, I think as a public, even though it was a big general election campaign and it was quite kind of heavy in terms of people saying this, people saying that, um, claims here, claims there, you know, of, of, fu of funding and stuff. If you take away all of that, strip all the manifesto pledges away, just to see Corbyn and Boris Johnson on a stage, one against, one against the other, pitting their ideas against each other, pitting them to the public on a TV debate, if anything, it was just nice to see a bit less bustle and a bit more one-on-one -on -one debate. The one thing that did annoy me, though, was just like in Boris's leadership election, the same in the general election, he overdid the, uh, I, I, we're going to get Brexit done. Uh, because the you'd get a question, a, a fair question, saying asking about a manifesto page. And he said, yeah, all very important, but we've got to get Brexit done. And then you get something like, Islamophobia come up and somebody asked him, oh, thank you uh, for that question. Um, I think the, the, the key thing is, uh, these are all very important points, uh, but uh, the, the, the key point is that we must get Brexit done. Can and I it just, just say, it um, did my head in. Uh, the one thing, if you actually watch Boris Johnson's campaign, it's quite funny because at the start he goes, we need to get Brexit done. And then by the end of it, he's get Brexit done because he knows people know what's coming. <laughs> so he starts really slow at the end. He goes, we need to do the general election to get Brexit done. And then by the end of it, it's get Brexit done. And it's kind of hyper mode and he's and, he, and he's all over the place. But in terms of a campaign, kind of go back to the last episode where we talked about the failings of Theresa May. I mean, the Conservatives learnt a lot from that campaign because they run a they ran a very, very good social media campaign of Boris Johnson out there on the streets because they knew that if he did come up against criticism on the street and by, by God, there were plenty of times where people came up to him on the street and said, you know, I'm not happy with what you're doing. But the fact is Boris Johnson could deal with criticism on, criticism on the street. In my opinion, Theresa May would have crumbled like a Twix and ran away. What um, do you think a, of the whole thing, Harry? About the campaign? Yeah. I think it was always going to be a conservative majority. Everyone knew that pretty much. It was right. It was definitely surprising by how far. For me, I totally agree that the get Brexit done thing was at times used way too much, which, although effective, was almost insulting at times. Yeah. And I would, if I was going to look at it from an objective standpoint, I think that during the debates... Corbyn, he looked so much better than he had done in the last year. He did. I was he was so that. he was very good at giving answers, and he was answering questions carefully, concisely, and most of the time, most people were agreeing with him. And we have but to unfortunately, as well. unfortunately for for him, because despite him having some brilliant ideas during that election, um, such as some renationalisation campaigns, for example, the problem was was that election was, as I've already said, that election was. Brexit. As you've just said, Harry, Corbyn wasn't 
I mean, yes, he gave detailed answers on other things, but you maybe say, would you say that he maybe skipped around the point sometimes on the whole idea of Brexit? Yes, he put his policy forward, but in terms of, a, of, of he couldn't necessarily, fight. he would always have the thing of me, we'll put it to referendums this year. He could, because he couldn't give set dates, because he couldn't give set times, compared to Boris Johnson, who could say, well, we'll be out on the 31st of January, you bet, no matter what. It wasn't so easy to explain. I think the thing is, Corbyn is very strong on the campaign trail. He's always been somebody who likes to stand at a podium and get, rally a call. He's had lots of practice with that and outshone Theresa May in that sense. Didn't necessarily outshine Boris so much. They were both fairly able communicators. And I well, will disagree with Harry, though, because I think from an objective standpoint, it wasn't just about Brexit because Labour lost. Uh, Labour lost because of Brexit. Labour lost so badly because of a rammed full uh, manifesto that people saw right through and they knew that it could be a bit dodgy and and what would have happened if we'd have spent all of our money now and then we had all the whole coronavirus situation on i know i'm thinking about it from maybe a a kind of a monetarist like uh, you have x amount of money and i'm not thinking about borrowing and all those complicated economic things but people saw through the uh the rammed full election pledges i think that was another mitigating factor okay. for boris and allowed him to win so well here's the thing the election was about brexit the reason why they lost so bad was because of three things one their brexit stance which many people thought was ambiguous two the leadership which many people thought had you know run its course and third was because as you just said manifesto a little bit overblown and many things were being added even after they claimed yeah, it was well, fully costed such yeah. as with, with the waspy women but yeah one thing i just want to summarize that with is that this election for me proved that politics is a game of chess yeah and the public are this invisible hand moving the pieces and the pieces representing change and with this election labor were going to lose it was their fate to lose this election but the change meant that after this loss, what they do is the leadership would change. The yeah. way they went about showing their manifesto would change, as we've seen with Keir Starmer's 10 pledges. And, and the, finally, and Brexit was no longer, well, is no longer right now, the entire political debate. So now all three of those things have changed. And that is the invisible hand of the public. Yeah, there was a whole reform now that the change you look at this time now uh, and you look at a few months ago where uh, there was, well, I, I mean, go back a bit. You had Theresa and Corbyn, who were both people really didn't have much confidence in. And now you have Boris and Keir, uh, that people probably have a, a fair bit more uh, trust in if we look at the polls. Well, I mean, um, it, I it's wanna... been a whole change and, and, it, and Brexit seems to be making traction who knows what's going to happen with that but at least there's a stable opposition and at least par a parliament and representative democracy is kind of holding its own again when it did have a little bit of a wobbly well this is it i mean so the campaign in general and like harry you were saying was was kind of one of the reasons they failed was was corbyn you know even hearing from some high profile figures on the labor party you know former kind of home secretaries former big members of cabinet from the labor party we heard that um you know they said on, they said when that exit poll came in actually uh, which you know I I was quite amazed at um mm. you know when I heard stuff like this. Our exit poll is suggesting that there will be a conservative majority 
when all the votes are counted after this election of December 2019. The Conservatives on 368 seats and Labour way down on 191. I was quite, I was quite amazed, uh, you know, when that exit poll came in and people were immediately saying, you know, Corbyn didn't go down well on the doors and that's why... Boris Johnson miraculously broke the red wall in the north. Boris Johnson went down a lot better on the doorstep. He was in Corbyn. If you know, if a Labour canvasser went to the doorstep and went, "Oh, I want you to vote for Corbyn," they go, "Well, yeah, well, I voted Brexit. What are you going to do? Well, we're going to have this, and then we might have this, and then uh, we'll probably have this, and then because of this, we're going to have to have this." And it's like, well, hang on, I've got either that choice of of of, of a bit of uncertainty and no set dates as to when things are going to happen, and only relying on the fact that you get a majority so that you can have a have, vote through the date of another uh, referendum, the date of a, probably a Scottish independence referendum, which they would inevitably would have done. You had that on the doorstep compared to a Conservative campaign saying, well, you vote for Boris Johnson. I know you've been a Labour supporter all your life, but if you vote for Boris Johnson in this case, and you're going to be out of the European Union on the 31st of January. No ifs, no buts. You know, in the simple choice was after these years of campaigning and, and, and bitterness and, and just a parliament, which was so crazy, you had the simple choice of getting it all over with and starting again, and you know, and Boris Johnson was quite clear in the day after he won his election. He, you know, he said this. And it is now this government, this people's government, it's our solemn duty to deliver on each and every one of those commitments. And it is a great and heavy responsibility, a sacred trust for me, for every newly elected Conservative MP, for everyone in this room and everyone in this party. And I repeat that in winning this election, we have won votes and the trust of people who have never voted Conservative before and people who have always voted for other parties. Those people want change. We cannot, must not, must not let them down. He knew, as we've just heard, that he knew that these voters wouldn't necessarily stick with the Conservative Party, but they yeah. were lending, lending his hand, Tom. That was really important. We spoke about a lot of these things in the episode, uh, German election special, but bringing in what Harry said with the, the invisible hand, we had a strange situation, a strange shift uh, over the last 10 years with Corbyn, where it was the case that Labour stood up for the workers and the people in, in like the kind of traditional mindset of politics. And, and the Conservatives had a, uh, had a nasty party uh, kind of representation as... Theresa May says here. You know what some people call us? The nasty party. But the, the key thing was that then, with this whole general election situation, it kind of went the other way around because in their, you know, their election pledge, as we said, Corbyn was subsidising railfare and that was into London. And that's a minute thing, whereas Boris was going for the bread and butter core worker kind of politics and that's why partly he was popular in the north and he's got a lot of power in the commons now for the next uh, few years and then obviously gets on with the thing and in the last few months we were just getting going uh there were maybe a f they weren't pretty quick on a lot of the parliament other parliamentary things but the immigration bill has gone through but along comes coronavirus Mm. Yes, and that's where we're going to leave it because we've 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 covered memory lane. We've gone down memory lane because on the thirty first of January of twenty twenty this year, this happens. It is done. We are out officially out of the European Union after almost half a century. The will of the majority of the British people has been granted. One thousand three hundred and seventeen days after it was first expressed. 
The UK is out. We've wow. left the European Union. We, are, as it stands, we are negotiating a free trade agreement with the EU. Lots of stuff, and don't worry, there will definitely be on future political natter when there when there is some kind of agreement with the future trading relationship. We'll have Who a big, we'll have a big old discussion about that. We're also. If you haven't already listened to it, please go check out the coronavirus podcast that we've done. It's our little 25-minute, 30-minute little podcast on our thoughts of what's going on at the minute. But make sure you check that out. We have, of course, come to the end of this podcast. I want to thank Harry. I want to thank Thomas Hello. For, joining, for joining me once again. Remember, thank you, Jack. Remember, yeah, you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, it's beautiful. Remember, you can catch more podcasts that we've done in the past. You can also go to politicalnatter.wordpress.com and check out our website. We've, we've yeah, got a range yeah. of politi- We've got a plethora of political opinion. It leads me now to just say thank you very much for listening. We will see you again soon. Natter with us next time on The Political Natter.